Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. There are two words which sound very similar, but spiritually they are very different. And I'm speaking about the words comfortable and comfort. You see, today people want to be in a comfortable situation. They go and they buy a pair of shoes and they want them to be comfortable. That means they feel good right to them. But many times being in God's will isn't a comfortable situation. It can be very uncomfortable. And here's the key. At those times, what are we called to do? Seek the God of comfort. It's not by accident or coincidence that the Holy Spirit, He is called the Comforter. Likewise, Messiah Himself is commanded by God the Father to bring comfort to His people. So we're not called to seek that which is comfortable to us. We're called to obedience and in the midst of obeying God, doing His will, being where God wants us to be, we can experience God's comfort to bring us to a point where we will experience deliverance. It is the God who comforts His people that is indeed the source of victory for our lives, victory in the sense of doing the will of God. Well, take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Psalms and Psalm 63. The book of Psalms and Psalm 63. Now, we know who the author is. We'll see in a moment when we look at the first verse in the Hebrew text that David is the author. Likewise, we know something else. Through what's known as the inscription, which gives us information about this psalm, sometime the style of the psalm, the melody of the psalm, how to chant the psalm, which instrument is best for the psalm. But here, it's going to tell us about the time period and the situation in David's life that inspired him to write down these words. So look again to this psalm, Psalm 63, where it says, A Psalm of David. When he was in the wilderness or desert, the Hebrew word midbar. Two possible translation, wilderness or desert. What's important about this word is that it's a word of emptiness. A word where there is not a natural provision. One is empty in the physical sense. And David is there and it speaks about being in the wilderness or the desert of Judah. And from an account of David's life in 1 Samuel, we know something. David was frequently on the run. That he had an enemy, wasn't David's enemy. David wanted to bless him. David wanted to serve him. David wanted to obey him. But the problem was King Saul. He felt insecure. 
He wasn't comfortable having David around, and therefore he sought to put David to death. And David fled in a most uncomfortable situation in the desert of Judah, a place that was very hard to reside in, a place that wasn't easy, that did not have much in the way of provision. But David did something, and we'll see that in a moment. But look again at verse 1 where it says, A psalm of David when he was in the wilderness or the desert of Judah. Verse 2. Oh God. Now sometimes the wisest thing we can do is just pause, stop doing whatever we're doing, and just call out upon God. But notice what David says. He just doesn't say, oh God. He says, my God are you. He recognizes God being his God, being in a covenantal relationship with the Lord God Almighty. And then he says in the middle of verse 2, he speaks about seeking God with priority. Now, this is a word where the English word dawn, that early time in the morning, in Hebrew it's the word shachar. It means the earliest time in the morning when the sun is just beginning. And when we use it in a verbal construction, it speaks about seeking God first, seeking Him early, seeking Him, realizing that He is the priority of each of our lives. So David is on the run for his life. The enemy is pursuing him. Saul has many military people pursuing David, hunting him down. And what did David do? Wasn't comfortable. But he sought the God of comfort, and he said, Oh God, my God are you, and I will seek you. That prioritizing God first in his life. And then notice David says, Thirsty for you is my soul. He wasn't seeking that which is comfortable, that which is easy, that which is profitable. He was seeking in the midst of this difficult situation, God and God alone. He says, my soul is thirsty for you. A strong word of desire. So ask yourself a question. Are you truly seeking God with priority? Do you truly desire Him? Are you thirsty to experience God? And to experience Him, where's the best place for that? In the midst of His will. So when he says, I'm thirsty for you, O God, David wanted his life, and we'll see this in a moment, to be obedient to the purposes of God. He goes on to say, which means how much is to you my flesh now we see something he says earlier he speaks of the word nephesh which is soul and then he uses a word basar which is flesh and usually we see these two things in conflict with one another david is saying god I am seeking you with the priority of my life. My soul desires you above all things. And in a response, David realizes David's flesh, meaning David's earthly life, 
is still important to God. God's just not counting and, and important to him the things that are spiritual, also those things that, that belong to the world, those things that speak about the, the physical. God still looks out for those things. And aren't you glad? He looks out for our health at times. He looks out for our financial well-being. He looks out for many things that are physical. Now, obviously, the spiritual is a priority, but God, it says, how much, meaning how important, is to you my, my flesh? And then he goes on, in the land that's dry, in a dry land, and then he uses the word if. Now, if, usually, in modern Hebrew, if we say ani if, meaning I'm tired. I'm exhausted. But when we look at this word in the scriptures, we see it just doesn't mean to be tired, but it's equated with the word goses, which means to be dying. David is seeing that he is near death because of the enemy. We see many times, looking at the book of, of Samuel, where David the enemy was there close to him and, and could have put him to death if it weren't for God's faithfulness. So he says, in a dry land and gosses, meaning I'm at the point of dying without water. So he's just not tired because he has no water. He is literally to the point of, of physical death. And what does he do? He says, look at the next verse, thus, in, and we have a word for holy, the holy place. And it's a reference to the sanctuary, the temple. Thus, in, the temple. And we have a word for vision. Now, in English, vision is always a noun. But that same word in a different construction can be used as a verb. So having a vision, seeing a vision, beholding something. And David says, despite the fact that I'm close to death, what's important to me, he's not praying, God, give me something to drink. He says, God, I want a vision of you. I want to see you. He says, to see your power and your glory. Now, this also is important because David wants God's power in order that David can manifest the glory of God. Now, learn something. David is not consumed with his situation. He's not lamenting, this is unpleasant, this is uncomfortable, this is hard. He's not saying any of that. He says, God, what I want in the midst of this is to experience you to see and know your power in my life so that your glory can be manifested and the intent is manifested through David. This is wisdom. This is why David was so pleasing to his heavenly father because David, for the most time in his life, he was seeking the things of God, always mindful of the will of God, the purposes of God. Now, verse 4. He says, for good is your grace more than life. Now, David knows he's at the point of death. The same word that appears here for, in your Bible, translated 
for the word for being tired. It's also used in regard to Esau, that's Esau, who he came in from hunting, having not been successful. He felt he was at the point of dying, and what did he do? Sell his birthright. Not interested in the things of God. He emphasized the physical. He wanted to be comfort. He wanted his belly satisfied. In contrast to that, we see King David. What did King David want? He wanted to experience God's grace and said, Your grace, O God, is better than life. And my lips shall praise you. And this word for praising is a word of exalting God, uh, uh, le, le, saying concerning God wonderful things, attributing to Him all of His attributes, His, his marvelous nature, His wonderful deeds. This is what David wants to do. He realizes something. And this is a very important principle, and it's this, that we want our life to be about praising God, exalting God, worshiping God, adoring God. If, if we aren't doing these things, our life doesn't have meaning. It doesn't have significance. We are alive in order to praise God. So David, in the wilderness, that desert of Judea, he's not concerned with his situation. He's saying, God, in the midst of these hard times, this difficulty, in this most uncomfortable situation that I find myself in, what do I want to do? I want to worship you. I want to praise you. I want to exalt you. Verse, verse 5. He goes on and says, Thus I will bless you in my life. David's saying, as long as I have life, I have one objective, and that is to bless you. So here again, he's not lamenting. He's not complaining. He's simply saying, God, I want my situation to be that I can bless you, that I can glorify you, that I can experience you, that I can receive a vision from you and of you. This is what is important to David. And then he says, in your name, I will lift up my, literally, my palms. Now, what's the difference? Most Bible says hands. Well, palms are oftentimes used to say one is cleansed from iniquity. His hands are not stained with sin. So clean palms speak about a, a righteous conduct. So David is saying, in your name, meaning in your character, I'm showing you my, my life. When someone says, look at my palms, it's saying, saying, understand my life, my deeds, that it's not stained with sin and iniquity and the shedding of blood. Instead of, of using one's resources for himself, this one wants to worship God, lifting up of his palms, manifesting to God a, a purity in his life. So it says, in your name, I will lift up my palms. Verse 6. Like fatness, and then there's another word for fatness. It's a word that speaks of that which is rich, that which is fertile. He says, my soul will be satisfied. Now, these two words, speaking of that which is, is fat, 
or, or rich or of, of great fertileness. He's speaking about those things that, that God provides. And he's saying, God, when, when you provide for me, what's the outcome of that? He says, when you do so, he says, my soul is satisfied. So ask yourself a question. Are you satisfied with God's provision? See, most people, they're seeking things of this world. They're not seeking the Lord's provision, what the Lord wants to provide, His comfort. But they are seeking the things that belong to the world for, oftentimes, worldly endeavors. Don't be committed to the endeavors of this world. Be committed to things which are kingdom-connected. And this describes David absolutely. He goes on and says, My lips will what? He says, The lips of those who rejoice will praise you. So my mouth, literally, my mouth will praise you and my lips of, of shouting of joy. So another two things that he's saying about praising God, rejoicing with God, exalting God, he says, my mouth is going to praise you and my lips are going to shout joyfully unto you. That's what David wants to do. Why? Well, it's not because his situation. David is not saying, you know, life at this time is wonderful. I'm enjoying things so much. This is probably one of the most comfortable times in my life. Everything's going right. This is not what the inscription teaches us. David is on the run. He's in the desert of Judea, a very uncomfortable place to be. But what does he say? God, in the midst of this, all I want to do is praise you, exalt you, glorify you, and be in your will and manifest to you the purity of my life. That's what is motivating David. He goes on to say, look now to the next verse, verse 7 in, in the Hebrew Bible, probably verse 6 in yours, where it says, Im. Now, the word Im oftentimes is translated if, but it's better understood in, in many different passages with the understanding of sense. It's a word that speaks of because of this, as a result of this. So look at it carefully again. He says, since I have remembered you upon my bed. David is someone who, when he's in bed, he's not there simply to focus upon rest. But David is thinking, using that quiet time, that, that time in the night, he is remembering you, O oh God. He's remembering God's faithfulness in the past, how God has used him, and the call upon his life. Never lose sight, never forget the call that God has placed upon your life. So David says, since I have remembered you upon my bed, and in the night watches. So he's not just saying, I'm giving you 10 minutes before I go to sleep, but he's saying, during the night watches, and by the way, there were four night watches each one three hours beginning at 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 sunset and until the morning so david is saying in the night watches i meditate 
upon you. That is this. David is thinking over and over and over about the revelation of God. How God has spoken to him. What God has revealed to him. He's remembering that throughout the night. Now here's the principle. To a certain degree, we all need, obviously, rest at night. Sleep is a requirement. But in the same way that sleep is needed, there are times, and Messiah demonstrated this, when it's not God's will to go to sleep that night. Instead of sleeping, what does God want? God wants us to pursue Him, to seek Him diligently. And this is what David is saying in this passage. I remember you upon my bed and in the midst throughout the night watches. I meditate upon you. Why? Now, notice the relationship between meditating upon the Lord, and we're speaking about the word of the Lord, his character, his attributes. He says in the next verse, for you have been a help to me. Now, I think these things are inherently related meditating upon God throughout the night, remembering God upon our bed. When other people are, are, are giving rest to their bodies, David is thinking about his spiritual condition. Twice he's mentioned his soul. And therefore he says, for you have been a help to me. And here's something that's so important. Ubetzel kanefecha a ranen, which means, in the shadow of your wings. Now, this word kanaf for wing, here it's plural kanafayim. It's a very important word. I've mentioned it several times in our studies. It's the word for a cornel. Not just a bird's wing, that's one use of it, but also a corner, like the four corners of a garment. And we know that biblically, according to what Moses revealed, he received it from God that on each of the four corners of our garment we are supposed to put a tassel what's known as a titsit and these titsiot are, are connected to the commandments of God so when we want to take shadow under the wings of God that's an idiom what it's speaking about we find safety we find God's provision we find God's presence where? In obedience to the commandments of God. Now, we're not saved by the commandments, but we as believers need to utilize, understand the message of the commandments. And having been led by the Spirit, being a recipient of the Holy Spirit, being guided by Him, apply that. As Paul says, not according to the oldness of the letter, but in the newness of the Spirit. From that spiritual vantage point that the Holy Spirit gives us, we can take that commandment and apply it to our life in a way that manifests the righteousness of God. There's safety in this. There's provision in this. This is what David is saying. Now look at, at verse, verse 9. In obedience to the Word of God, there is joy. And here we find another word in verse 9, probably verse 8 in your Bible. We find a word for clinging to something, holding on to something. 
Now, this word is used early on in the Bible for, for clinging to the commandments of God the Word of God, the instructions of God. And I do not know why today it is controversy to say God's instructions are good and we need to apply them to our life. This is what David is teaching. And he says, my soul, that same word, napshi, my, word, my soul claims after you. In you, your right hand, he says, uh, in, excuse me, he says, your right hand supports me. So here's the message. When we seek God's instruction, not just to know, it's not a pursuit of knowledge, but when we seek the instruction of God and we apply it to our life, it brings the right hand of God integrity and power. God's integrity and his power into our life too support us to to assist us to help us to be what as we know to be more than conquerors in messiah yeshua so he says again and i want to read this carefully where it says my soul has clinged after you in me your right hand supports meaning your right hand supports me you sustain me you assist me and what happens? Well, God does that when the enemy, look at the next verse, it says, Vehema, which means, and they. It's speaking about the enemies of King David. When they have a totally different desire for David, what do they want? It says, when they, for a disaster, they seek my soul. They're not there to bless. They're not there to help. They're not there to instruct. They're there for the purpose of a disaster. And by the way, the word Shoah in, in Hebrew is how the Holocaust is, is spoken of in Hebrew. We use the term Shoah for Holocaust. This is the same word Shoah speaking about a disaster, a, a, a terrible event. And he says, that's what the enemy wants. That's what they want to do to bring, bring disaster unto to me. They seek my, my soul. And it says, what will be the outcome? It says, and they will come into the lower parts of the earth. Meaning, the lower parts of the earth is a reference to Sheol, the place of death. What David is saying is this doesn't matter what the enemy wants his objective his desires what he's working for and the provision that he has in the natural to bring it about god is sovereign and if i just seek god his will his purposes following his instruction wanting to experience god in my life that i might praise him exalt him worship him glorify him and doing his will then God is going to move in my situation. And God is going to bring death to the enemy. That's what this verse is saying when it says, they will enter into the lower parts of the earth. Verse 11. Now, verse 11, I believe most Bibles simply speak about they will fall. But if you do a good study of this word, it speaks about not just falling, but speaks about shedding of blood 
Now, the word blood's not there. It's an idiom. So if you say, they will fall by means of the sword. It simply means by means of the soul, their blood is going to be shed. They are going to come to an end. And they are going to be set apart, become a portion for the foxes. That's what it says. A portion of the foxes, they will be meaning this. As they die, physically, their soul descends into Sheol, that place of the dead, but their bodies are left there. And what happens? The foxes come and devour there. It says, but the king. Now it's showing a position of authority of leadership. The king is very different. What will he do? Our last verse. Verse 12 in Hebrew, 11 in the others. But the king, he will rejoice in God. All who swear in him, it says, this one, all who swear in him, they are going to praise, be individuals that praise God. Now, this term for swearing in God simply means that you are committed. You have, have made a profession of commitment to God. And that commitment to God is, is related to the will of God. When one comes to faith, he's saying, God, I am committed to your will. I am committed to your purposes. I want to follow the instructions that you have for my life, that I might be obedient to you. He says, all who swear in him, what are they going to do? They will praise for the mouth of the one who, who speaks lies. What's going to be done with the mouth of the one who speaks lies? It will be shut or it will be closed up. And what the scripture tells us is this. There is a dichotomy. And it's not dependent upon your circumstances. It's dependent upon your covenantal faith. If you really believe in a God who is able to sustain, able to, to deliver, able to provide so that you can in every circumstance praise God, adore God, exalt God, worship God, glorify God. Let me just share with you as I conclude the, the main purpose of the enemy. The enemy wants to bring despair and discouragement into your life so that you become discouraged and you despair. God, God doesn't care for me. God's not helping me. This situation is so uncomfortable, so unpleasant. I'm, I'm reaching to the end. I'm being overcome by the enemy. And because of that, people do what? People begin to lose heart. They become discouraged and they begin to speak unkindly towards God. That is faithlessness. What, what we need to realize is the victory is this. In the midst of that time that, that I have nothing going on in my life that I can be to be thankful for from the perspective of the eyes. I'm hurting. I'm empty. I am, am, am seemingly defeated in the flesh. The enemy is more powerful than me. And everything's just falling apart in, in my life. How do you overcome that? By doing one thing. 
praising God, worshiping God, exalting God, glorifying God in word and whatever you can do in, in following Him. Whatever strength, whatever opportunity that you have to serve God, you continue to do so despite all the, the things that are uncomfortable in and around your life. When you have that desire, you are victorious. The Satan is not accomplishing his purposes. He's not winning the battle. See, it doesn't matter if you die because we believe in resurrection. We believe in the kingdom. And we know that to get into the kingdom, we're not going to inherit the kingdom by, by flesh and blood. Therefore, what happens to my physical aspect isn't important. It is not going to be the driving thought in my life. How do I feel? Am I comfortable? Do I have everything I need? Do I have everything I want? All That's not going to be the priority of your life. The priority of your life is this. Can I continue to praise God, to exalt God, to glorify God in these difficult circumstances? And you know what? You can. As long as you have breath, you can do so. And therefore, it doesn't matter what's going on around you, what the enemy is accomplishing, what they're doing to you. In the midst of pain, suffering, perhaps even torture, you praise God, glorify God, you are winning. And the deliverance is near. Because even if the enemy tortures you to death, with that, that death comes release. To be, to be absent from this body, to die, is to be in God's presence. That's the hope and the true hope for a believer. So we don't despair. We don't lose heart. We don't fret about our circumstances. We follow the advice of King David, whereby we simply say, God, I want to be in your character. I want to be in your will. I want to be doing your, your, your purposes. I want to be singing your praises. And as long as I have breath and I'm able to do that, this is victory. The world may not see that as victory, but when the kingdom of God is established, that is going to be a badge of honor, it is going to be a work of glory and it is going to be the things that you're most pleased with in your life. That you remain faithful in the midst of opposition. This opposition gives you an opportunity to shine spiritually. And this is what King David is revealing to us. In those times of his life when he was being pursued by the king and his army. David did not lose heart. David did not despair. David did not move to that which is comfortable. He sought the comfort of the Lord in the midst of difficulty. Does that describe you? Well, I'll close with that until next week. Shalom from Israel. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel.